1: Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast coming at you um, in the middle of the week. I was about to say in the middle of like something week, but there's really no word to distinguish this week. It's just another week in the NBA playoffs um, without the Knicks, unfortunately. But we inch ever closer to uh, some more fun stuff, draft stuff, trade stuff, free agency stuff. Uh, if you didn't catch uh, Monday's pod with me and Jeremy going through the Knicks salary cap, definitely check that out. That was a fun one. Uh, today we have a treat for you. Um, a published author is, uh, joining me. I just got done actually, uh, recording the conversation with him a little while ago, Fred Cantor, who you may know better as uh, Fred from fresh meadows. He wrote a book, a Knicks memoir, if you will, of his life as a Knicks fan. We talked about it. We got into some good old fun Knicks stuff. Um, you're going to enjoy this one. The book is great. Um, and there'll be a, a link uh, under this episode if you want to get it. Uh, might be able to get here in time for Father's Day if you want to get uh, the, the dad in your life, a nice gift. Um, but stay tuned for that um, in a little bit. Like I said, um, talk to him all about the book and his life as a Knicks fan. Um, in terms of news... Not too much news to report at the moment. Um, I'm recording this at 619. My clock says right now on uh, Tuesday evening, the all NBA teams are going to be announced in about an hour and 40 minutes. Um, I can't imagine that anything regarding Julius Randall is going to get me so mustered up that I'm going to have to record an emergency YouTube, uh, whatever. I, if you made first team. Well, let me, let me bring Mr. Mr. Claudio and Andrew. How are you? I'm good. How are you, John? Is is would Julius Randle making first team All NBA warrant an emergency YouTube live reaction?
2: I don't I don't think so. I think we all expect him to make an all-NBA team. Um I I, I mean we're we're recording this. Is are the lists supposed to come out this afternoon? No, it's eight no, eight p.m. tonight as So eight p.m. tonight. Yeah. So we're recording this at 620 yeah. on Tuesday. Yeah, so it's
1: we're an I, hour and a half away.
2: So so we're recording this what will now be in the Yes. of What would eventually be in the future? We don't have a Delorean, is it right? That what going I, for? I, I will say no, because clearly we didn't record a post game. No, we do a post game live stream, but I don't I'm think comfortable. It's
1: worthy. I'm comfortable with it because, like, look, if he makes first team, that's awesome. I don't think he's going to make first team. I think he's going to make second or third. If he makes third, are there? There's probably going to be some Knicks fans who are going to be, you know, raising their pitchforks. I mean, eh, whatever. It, he's going to make an All NBA team. He was eighth in the in the MVP voting. He's most improved player. I, I feel. I feel good about our awards status after yeah. this year. Yeah. I say? would say
2: the the so here we'll you will all obviously know if we decided to record to go live because it will have already happened. Um we will go live, John, if he doesn't make any If of it he needs. doesn't make one, then I'll yeah, then I'll go live. There you go. Um
1: I would I, I'm man, I don't think I know that. Oh, I know my awards history pretty well. I'm trying to think if there has been a someone who finished as high as eighth in the MVP to not make an All NBA team. That would be like when, um, oh my god, it was a Steve McNair Peyton Manning year where mm-hmm. one of them won the MVP and didn't make the first All Pro team or whatever for quarterback.
2: So they split the MVP that year, and I think McNair didn't make the that was maybe that was the it, yeah. the it was it was either the all pro or the pro bowl beat. it was all pro it was all pro cuz all pro is the entire nfl and yes. manning and brady i think made it this is like but listen it, we we have the internet in front of us we're just not going to look it no, up cuz speculating but i'm just fun.
1: i i don't think uh i don't i don't what i i he's, he he'll make it he'll make a team um and then but one other thing before we get to my conversation with fred um so um we we do occasionally comment on the commentary
2: of other people in this space. Mm-hmm. See my hands, this the is the space, space. This final is the final frontier. Space. Yes.
3: <laughs> and um,
1: I, I couldn't, I couldn't help but, but uh, be listening in as I know Andrew was as well um, to Mr. Uh, Simmons and Mr. Rusillo um, decided for reasons that I, I can't, claim to speculate why um, they went through their top 40 players in the NBA. Um, how, how should I couch this? So basically it was like, if you need to win a playoff game right now, we're not talking about contract. We're not talking about who would you rather have for the next 10 years. It's like, you need a guy to win you a playoff game. Who do you want? And they went through the top 40.
2: It was more of a championship. If you're ranking this on who can help you through four that's straight right. rounds. He, that's right. Who can get is, you through four rounds of playoffs? They factored in health, which then led to a lot of contradictions throughout their list. But well, continue, John.
1: So we'll so Andrew messaged me because we, we we tend to. Text about sports, everything. Yeah, every, occasionally. <laughs> and he's like, you should make a list because I think people should yell at you um, as opposed to Bill Simmons. That was what you do. Text
2: it, um, it was. So for those on YouTube, that can see the, the cave has been stripped down. So I've been. Anytime I'm awake, I've been packing and moving stuff. And I was listening to their pod. Finally, him and Ursillo from Monday. And I'm just getting increasingly more more angry. It's like, wait, John, can, can you bet can do this better? I've got to be honest with you. I just I, I only listened to it once and I was like not
1: fully like I was focused. I was hearing what they were saying. I can't say other than one or two things which we'll get to. Nothing. Was that egregious to me? I uh, So well, we can get into we, when we yeah, get to certain ahead. names, if there if there is someone. Well, why don't we? OK, so let's go through my list because I made a list. Yeah, go ahead. And when we get to someone who you think was maybe egregious that they placed in the wrong place or that I'm placing in the wrong place, you could you could let us know. So I did tears just like they did. Um The one caveat, I don't know how to handle.
2: They had this like bullshit. So I guess we should talk about this now. They had this bullshit like injury exception thing. That's part of the the issue I had. If you're going to make LeBron's well, this is specifically Simmons, where LeBron was seventh because of the injury concerns. A.D. was lower because of injury concerns. But Durant is just absolved of all injury concerns after the worst possible injury you can get in the sport and is number one. So here's how I'm taking this. If you gave me the ch-
1: like, you're like, okay, pick anybody. You could start them, but like, so for instance, Jamal Murray is going to appear on my list. Jamal mm-hmm. Murray is obviously not playing basketball right now because he tore his ACL. But in in like a theoretical, imaginary world, where I, I, I will consider like, is this person more or less injury prone? Um, yeah, I think you could consider that. But so I'll just. I, I'll get into, but I'm not going by like if the person just happens to
2: be injured right now. Well, so and I'll let you get to it right after I say this. Like the injury aspect of this is like you act, you need to count on these people for four rounds and yes. not the shortened shortened off season rigors that everybody is now injured. Like yes, indeed, B- yes, exactly. I'm going. Yeah. To, I'm going
1: by it as a normal, normal season, normal run up, the whole thing. Okay,
2: so John Here's- Macri's. Top 40 in the NBA right now. They
1: are prepare to write things down and then yell at me later. So my tier one, and this is, I grouped it this way. So these are all the players that I at least considered putting number one overall. That is what defines my tier one. Like I gave some consideration. So it is Kawhi. And this is a a rough order, but it is an order. Kawhi, Steph, KD, Made a last minute switch. LeBron Mm -hmm. four. Luca five. Joel Embiid six. Nikola Jokic seven. That is my top tier.
2: It's solid. I have no the order, I might have switched around a bit, but those are the seven, in my opinion.
1: And Embiid, I want to put higher, but he is of all those guys, him and a little bit LeBron, and a little bit KD, because honestly, KD might have been my number one, but those are my Slight injury concern, guys, and probably Embiid more than more than the other guys because he just he hasn't shown the ability to stay healthy consistently. And also, and this is going to be a theme I think in this list, um, and has been a theme of my writing all week. It's it, and Jeff and Gundy said it on the low post today. It's tougher to run like a championship offense through a big guy. It doesn't make matter if it's a, a big guy isn't dominant as as Embiid or Jokic. It's just tough. Um, so those are the first seven. You agree. Tier two, guys that I really wanted to... that These are essentially tier one guys, but I didn't think about putting any of these guys number one overall. So therefore, they end up down a tier. Dame, Donovan Mitchell, and then I moved him up at the last minute, James Harden. Thoughts?
2: Uh, I get it that Anthony Davis has had, like, a, had a bad injury. I just... And AD, I think last year has shown and when he's healthy has shown. So I guess you bumped him down a tier because of the injury no. concerns. No, I did not. Okay. Then I think, I think AD is above Harden and above Donovan Mitchell. So here's my argument. And it's, this is more have to, this has
1: to do with another. Well, let me just, so tier three for me, again, this is an order. Trey Young. Mm-hmm. Giannis Antetokounmpo, Anthony Davis, and then just barely sneaking in, although I don't say this with most conviction, Jason Tatum. Here's the thing. We're talking about a league where how are you generating offense? How efficient is the guy that is generating offense for your team? How much does your offensive generator help get good looks for other people on your team? And as we're seeing in the playoffs, like, at the end of the day, it just kind of comes down to who your best guys are and how how talented they are because, you know, the Clippers are starting to muck up some of the stuff that the Jazz are doing. And, like, you know, even when the Nets were healthy, the, the Bucks were having some success with, like, stopping the, the Nets secondary guy. We don't need to get into that. Giannis is a finisher. AD is a finisher. They may be two of the greatest finish, you know, two of the greatest five finishers in the history of basketball. But you're not running – if you're running your offense through those guys, there is, I think, a ceiling on how far you could go. Whereas the first one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, and yes, I'm including Trey Young there. If you run your offense through those first eleven guys, I think you got a shot at a championship. That's why I have Giannis and AD after those first eleven.
2: I'm less, I'm less bothered by the Trey Young placement on here. Like I texted you before when you had Trey Young above Giannis. I was like, imagine put doing that a month ago. And I mean, sh-
1: but uh, imagine you know. three weeks from now when we maybe, I mean, I can't believe I'm about to say
2: this. Well, again It might be Trey Young versus Giannis for the trip to the finals. Oh, how about Trey Young in the finals? How yeah. about,
1: how about uh James? Again, I, we're recording this before the Nets game. The Nets could blow out the Bucks tonight and and James Harden looks great. But like, let's say the Bucks end up in the Eastern Conference finals against the Hawks. Are we? Positively sure the Hawks are going to win that. Too.
2: Like, you know, I, I'm less, again, I'm less bothered by the Trey Young aspect. I think AD is somebody you could run your offense through because I think a lot of points throughout the bubble, they did run their offense through AD. And LeBron just, because of his reputation, won finals MVP, but yeah. AD also averaged 31 a game. Yeah, but series. you could
1: do that because you also have LeBron there uh, to
2: predominantly run. I'm not saying you don't need like two stars, regardless to to win. Like like you said, you will need. A, it's hard to run your offense through a big guy at this point, which is why, unless you're Jokic or to an extent Embiid, I just think AD, especially when you factor in his defensive ability you know, a peak AD, I think is one of the for, better uh, yes defensive sure. players in the sport too. That's fair. But so, but so Giannis was the defensive player of the year last year. Giannis, I think you're starting to see teams show his limitations and part of it might okay. just be how Bud yeah. is using him, but I don't think AD has the, I actually think AD has a jumper. I think he has a mid range. I think the three point shot is, he, is inconsistent, but it's better than Giannis, whatever Giannis is able he, to do. 100%, and 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 we should note Trey Young, I don't know
1: what he should, 34% from three in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He wasn't much better during the regular season. If if his three gets to where everybody thought it would be, I, I'll bump him up to that next tier of, with Dame and Mitchell and Harden. Um,
2: so, okay, go to your next tier, because there's a guy that I think should be higher.
3: You're on
1: okay, tier so, four now. So tier four is, and these are guys who... Um, are just a little bit worse than the guys in tier three. I don't know how else to say it. Okay. So Chris Paul, Kyrie Irving, Devin Booker, John Morant, and then the aforementioned uh, Jamal Murray. Um, who for anybody who forgets averaged a billion points in the bubble last year.
2: So I, I want to hear the case for Mitchell over Booker because I actually I would go Booker over Mitchell, or have them in somewhat of the close vicinity. I think if you swapped places, I think. Their teams are the exact same. Um, I so Mitchell,
1: the efficiency isn't really there that much as much as you'd like, although he's pretty damn efficient given how much, how many, you know, shots he's putting up and he's averaging whatever he's averaging 30 plus for the playoffs. He is, I feel like a guy you could just put the ball in his hands and he's getting to the rim. Like you can't stop him from getting to the rim and he's efficient enough when he gets to the rim that it just it it breaks it breaks whatever the defense is trying to do. And I don't think the Clippers are back in this series because of anything Donovan Mitchell isn't doing. I think they're back in the series because uh, Mike Connolly is injured. And if Mike Connolly was, was playing, I think we'd be looking at either that series being over or that series being um, 3-1, and I think the Jazz would be prohibitive, if Connolly was healthy, prohibitive championship favorites. And I think that's on the back of Mitchell, and I can't say that I know for a fact that Devin Booker would be able to do the same thing, just because that's not really his game. His game is more like he's a little bit of a mid-range assassin still. Obviously, the three-point shot is very good, although he doesn't think – that's the other thing. Like, people – like, when you think of, like, these crazy – like, Steph Curry, Dame Lillard, um, you know, Kyrie Irving, to a certain extent, doesn't do it as much, but, like, crazy off-the-dribble three-point artists, that's not really Devin Booker. If you look at his – Assisted versus unassisted three point percentage, it's not in the same vicinity, not near those other guys. He also doesn't take as many threes. Mm -hmm. And like in a league where it's like, okay, how much of a threat are you from outside? That's why I have Trey Young a tier lower because he's like that's why we said on this podcast, let the the one option for the Knicks, let him fire away from three. You know, so anyway, that's my tangent on why Booker is where he is.
2: Okay. I I I tend to lean Booker a little more. Maybe I'm just, I'm a bigger fan of what I've seen him do. That game six, with closing out the Lakers with 47 points was like, I think a moment for him when we, he was no longer just a regular season assassin. He actually does have a playoff moment. Finally. It was a game. It was one and game. And I think the efficiency number, I know it's one game, but it's a it's closeout game. game in the playoffs, which is what this, sure. this argument is. You know what? How about this? I have him. I have him at tier. I'll put him right after Tatum in tier three. That's the thing. I think if, to have him two tiers below Donovan Mitchell was like that. That's where I was side eyeing. If he's just a tier below, then maybe he. If he wins a title, you can move, up, move I, him I'm up gonna
1: too. push back on this just a hair more. Donovan Mitchell could run an NBA offense. We're literally seeing it. He's running an NBA offense against a team that is. If if the Jazz aren't favorites, then the Clippers will probably wind up being favorites if they come out of the series on top. I I think. Um, I haven't seen Donovan Mitchell run an mm-hmm. offense. You mean you haven't seen
2: you haven't seen Booker? Uh, sorry, uh, Devin offense, Booker. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, not to this, not to this. I I don't know. W- look, maybe it'll be egg on my face when he's raising an NBA championship uh trophy in a month and a half.
2: Which the Chris Paul part of that uh, fair is, is so we're at tier four right now. So we just we just did tier four. Now we're up to tier five. And how many players have you mentioned? Uh, I've mentioned. You had seven, three. So now I've
1: mentioned 19 players and okay. now we're going to get to players 20 through 26 before I uh, throw my hands up and I put the last 14 people in, in tier six. So tier <laughs> okay. five um, and really take this order with many grains of salt. Um, Paul George, Bradley Beal, Jimmy Butler, Julius Randle, Zach Levine. Hey, the um, Aaron Fox and Rudy Gobert. And Gobert, I put on here because I'm like,
2: I guess he should be here. It feels mm-hmm. wrong to not put him here. Um, it's purely a defensive thing. Like his his defensive met- numbers and well, med- advanced metrics are unreal. His rebounding numbers are great. I but but the threat of his the threat of him around the rim is also a real thing. And it is even if
1: even if he may only score eight or ten or twelve points in a game that jazz offense does kind of but again they've built the perfect ecosystem for and this is in def, I think goes through your Booker point mm-hmm. I have Mitchell so high because he's on a team that is
2: built specifically tailored around his talents and Gobert's talents so fair I would go it's like I think he's the evolution of whatever Tyson Chandler could be um, sure. that's fair and you never called to play for Tyson Chandler which is where no and they're never going to play for Rudy Gobert so that's where I'm 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 fine with be- Gobert being a fifth year, even though if anybody from Utah is listening or watching this, you feel he's continues to be disrespected. And I, I that is your prerogative represent your guy. I think, I mean, he's literally you know, the only person he's the, he's the, he's the only person in my top 40 that is not a guy who can go get you a bucket. And you mentioned De'Aaron Fox on this list, right? So that's the guy and who- Zach Levine. Well, so Levine, I feel very
1: strongly about here.
2: Oh, I do too. This is where my issue with Simmons. He was like, "Can you finish five hundred once, De'Aaron Fox?" Yet he had Levine over him. He had, he didn't have Fox in his top forty, which is yeah. Levine was over him, and you haven't said Zion yet. And Zion Williamson also has not finished over five hundred. Once again, it contradicts the Sports Guys logic. So I watched with my own two little eyes
1: the Knicks completely not shut him down. I mean, he got whatever he got 30 in those games, Mm -hmm. but when, when it came to, um, nut crunching time, as they say, they were
2: able to limit what Zion was able to do. And it's, it's, it's It's, that, that sentence is funnier. When you look at the shirt I'm wearing, that's all
1: (laughs) shout out to manscaped. Yes. Our Um, new friends,
2: manscaped our new, our new best friends. Um, yeah
1: i I mean look, I'm higher on Fox than Consensus, and I'm also higher on Levine than consensus. the thing the reason the real quick about Levine I was making the list and I'm like, shit, if Levine was like on a good team, like look at what he does, and then look at all the things that I continue and we continue to praise off the dribble from deep with efficiency being able to get to the rim, being able to get to the line, being able to make the pass, kick out to the open man. Like I know Zach Levine still has that reputation of the guy who like, he won't make the right play in crunch time or like he'll put up the stupid shot. But when you look at the shit he's able to do. And again, if the question is who do I want on my team to get me through four rounds in the playoffs? Once I get through those birth first, however many 20 some odd guys like, yeah, I'll take my chance
2: with Levine. I agree. I, I, I... The 26 you've listed so far, I would just I would have in a different order, but I think you've I agree on the 26. There isn't a person you haven't said yet that I would have like a, a before any of these 26. Um, which gets us to the last 14. Um, and
1: again, this is hard, but I feel pre- I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say a couple words about a few of these guys, but let me just read off the names. I had no idea where to put Clay Thompson. So I'm putting him here. Um, Godspeed, Clay Thompson Go get healthy When he's healthy He's absolutely part of this So I'm going to give him The benefit of the doubt uh, Ben Robbio Carl Anthony Towns Ben Simmons Jalen Brown Demonta Sabonis Kyle Lowry Shea Gilgis Alexander Chris Middleton CJ McCollum DeMar DeRozan Tobias Harris Brandon Ingram And in 40th place A tie
2: between Wait for it Drew Holiday and Derrick Rose. Um, did I miss when you said Zion? You said Zion, right? Oh, did I not write Zion
1: down? Zion should be in here. So in that case, then there is no tie between Drew Holiday and Derrick Rose. Zion. Zion. <laughs> okay. Zion is Zion is um, I did not know if I missed you saying Zion. So, no, yeah. I, I think it was because I assume I was back and forth between him for tier five and tier six. And mm-hmm. uh, so I will put him at the top of this tier. So to Zion be clear, before Clay,
2: I think you'd agree Zion is like two years away from going up a couple of tiers. Um, I think the right he, situation, like it's the one thing I did agree with Simmons on in this pod. If Chris Paul, if the Pelicans had pulled the trigger on a Chris Paul trade, why couldn't they be having the same season that Phoenix is having?
1: Like, I think they've done a terrible job of constructing the Pelican seed as we've talked about on this podcast. Agreed. Um, and there's a so there's a couple of guys in here that I, I want to say something about their situation. Uh, ben Simmons looks like he, he maybe shouldn't make a top 80 list the way things are going in that series right now. And yet, if you gave him, quote unquote, his own team and you built that team around him, I think he would probably would be closer to the top 20. So I don't know what to do. So I'm putting him in this last year.
2: So I was on FaceTime with Jeremy last night. We were going over some, some summer league stuff, John. And it was during the fourth quarter of Hawks-Sixers. And at a certain point, like, we're, we're both watching the game in our separate locations. I just say to him, like, why is Ben Simmons on the court? Like like nobody's making shots right now. So it's not like well, is that that for defense? Because he's so he's, like, but he's if he's the best perimeter defender, arguably as,
1: he's the best perimeter defender in the league.
2: But as a result, when you need a bucket, you're playing four on five. And if Embiid isn't scoring, then you're not getting that bucket from Ben Simmons. Yeah. Um you, you almost wonder like that that is a is a terrifying limitation from him. If they lose this series, mm-hmm. um Oh, there'll be a ton um, of uh, I'm Monday morning quarterbacking the Sixers. Well, forget you know. that. I'm really interested to see what oh. the
1: Sixers do. Okay. Just because it doesn't make sense. Like Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons should be running a team. He shouldn't be, again, I'm, I'm parroting what, um, you know, uh, others have said on on national podcasts this week. He shouldn't be hanging out in the dunker spot, um, you know, waiting for, what I don't know, mm-hmm. um, but anyway, I, I couldn't in good conscience not put him in this tier. So, a um, couple other guys that I want to touch on. Um, Your honorable mentions, okay? So, the, I guess now my honorable mentions would be. So, Draymond Green is someone I thought of. I ju- he can't make a. As you say, you want to talk about offensive limitations. He can't can't make a basket <laughs> right now. Um, and so then I guess my first two cuts would be Drew Holiday and Derek Rose. Um, I'll catch shit for Drew. Drew Holiday in these playoffs is averaging 14 points a game, um, shooting 25% from three, Um, seems afraid to take shots at times. He gets to the line a grand total of two, count him two times a game. Um, He is, for his career in the playoffs, a 16 point per game playoff guy. Now granted he did have one for the first round series in which he eviscerated the Blazers and Damian Lillard. That will always exist. He averaged 27 points a game in that series. That is a thing. It was also 3 years ago. He's now 30. Um been in the league for his next year's going to be his 12th year. Um like I'm sorry but like there's a lot of guys who are I mean I know he might be the best guard defender like in the league but I just I like he's not creating anything. He doesn't really finish like he'll hit a three. He'll hit a long two every now and then. Like, I, I don't I don't know why he automatically deserves to be on this list. Meanwhile, I just watched Derrick Rose be the best player in a playoff series and have zero qualms about like, all right, you want to give me the rock? Sure. I'll go and get your bucket.
2: It's funny. I think going into this Nets buck series, we all looked at Drew Holiday over Bledsoe as the this is oh, yeah. the Bucks. This is the Bucks missing piece. This is what will put them over the hump. This is he can guard Kyrie or you could switch him on to Harden. And Harden went down and it's almost as if what you got drew holiday for hasn't been as necessary. And it showed more of his limitations. But
1: they which, need a but this goes back to the, the Giannis Anthony Davis discussion. They mm-hmm. need a, a, a person to be in
2: charge of the offense. Giannis yeah, I shouldn't be in charge of the offense, which lets you know. We'll see what happens in hindsight because we could be sitting here and they've beaten the. They Nets. could
3: make the. Yeah, they, win the they could win the championship
2: with this roster.
3: It's like, <laughs> so it's like we're like, saying
2: what their limitations are, but they yeah, might but win it's the title kind of, anyway. I
1: mean, let me rephrase that. I do not think that they're going to beat whoever comes out of the West. Um, but they can make the finals. Mm-hmm. You know, depending I agree. on what happens. I agree. Um, so look, if I'm if if there's I I went through this a couple times. I don't think I have missed anybody.
2: Well, you didn't say Jalen Brown, which I agree with. Isn't a top forty. Oh, I said Jalen Brown. Oh, you did. He's in your tier six. He's in my tier six. Yes. Okay. Then you didn't say RJ Barrett. What the hell, John? How many more times are you going to disrespect Rowan Alexander Barrett Jr.? Um, I think there's a chance maybe he makes tier six next year. Um,
1: uh, tier four, John. Or uh, tier two. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um,
2: Respect I, on his name. I need to see him... Um. What do I need? Uh, we don't no, now? it was a joke. We don't have to oh, okay. you don't need to see anything from RJ Barrett. Just continue to improve on our now 20 Happy birthday, okay. RJ Barrett. Happy
1: birthday, RJ. <laughs> yes. Only
2: 21 years old. There It'll you go. be fine. Um drink
1: some yeah, of John I mean, Scotch
2: on us. There you go. Are
1: are there any is there anybody else that I, I
2: thought about including? Um just really quickly. Tobias Harris wasn't on any on any. Tiers, no, he right? was. I he's put, on also tier six. Okay. Yeah, I put Tobias
1: in, in tier, towards the end of tier six. Yeah, um, I didn't include Russ. I'm not a Russ guy. I've never been a Russ guy. That's um, a big one then. He's not. I think there's an equally high chance he loses you a playoff game as he wins you a playoff
2: game. I think you've seen him lose more playoff games <laughs> than you seen have seen lose. him win playoff games.
1: <laughs> seen him lose quite a Evident by
2: games. the fact that once they Kevin Durant left, the Oklahoma City Thunder couldn't get out of the first rounds, even though he was an incredibly great, as far as statistics go, regular season performer. Um, Yeah. um, Yeah. No, ah, I think you. it's a solid 40. And for those of you watching on YouTube, you'll see that I've inserted the graphics of all the tiers. Oh, into, are you going to do that? I am that this right this right is me producing on the fly, but I'm. people will see what I've done. You can see the full graphic. We'll also have it tweeted out today so you can yell and comment or whether you agree or disagree with John's top 40 only
1: I feel like it's recency bias me not including but he's also 30 whatever years old and like he's obviously this is not the first time he's broken down recently. Mm hmm. Um, no I
2: think Kimmel the, la- Wa- last, thing say, no no um, the last thing we should say, no, Kimba Walker, true. Um, the last thing we should say because we got to get to to the interview. Yeah. Um, it's just fascinating how like Luca doesn't have a teammate on here, and this will lead into well, obviously the the athletic article. We have Mike coming yeah. on again next week yeah. to talk about how you know one former unicorn or unicorn one point can't crack would you have him in your top 50 john at this point no i don't know that i'd have him in my top here's a better question based off of what we saw this season and the playoff series would you have tim hardaway jr above him i was I, i i'll tell you
1: this when i was like there was a literally a split second where i was making tier six and i'm like Tim Hardaway
2: Jr. Here, right, <laughs> he looked really so much better than K.V. And the, the but he's a he's a guy who again he'll win you two playoff games and then mm-hmm. lose
1: you two or three or whatever the next. But
2: the the point is, for someone that was supposed to be Batman and then yeah. Robin to Batman when he went to Dallas to now just be on the same par as Tim Hardaway Jr. is the most incredible twist of that story, you know. I, yeah, this is, I think there's still more. We can twists. get more into it with with when I'm, I'm excited when for that. I'm just on next week.
1: Um, Vooch, I did not have on here. I want to just shout out to Vooch. I don't want. I this could to be have like, predicted that knowing I just, your history. I'm just. I'm not. A, what do you want to say? I'm not. A, I'm not a Vooch. Van Vliet. Yeah. Uh, Van Vliet. I thought about um mm-hmm. briefly. Um, and Nutella another guy. Hero. Another guy actually. <laughs> Natali Hero. Yeah, <laughs> Another guy I thought very briefly, but people are gonna yell at me for this one. Next year, I'll bet this guy will be on here, Anthony
2: Edwards. Ooh, okay. Oh, you didn't. You had Cat in, in tier six. Right? I did have Cat. Okay. I okay. didn't feel great about it though. I don't know where I, I am on Cat. I'm not. going to talk I'm, about? Can you just be five hundred once? You that's know? the. That's the. That's the guy you have that come. Yeah. With. Um. Yeah. Look, anyway. look. Overall, I. I had no. Oh, you, where'd you have Lamelo? I didn't have Lamelo. So Lamelo's on tier seven which um, is everybody else i want to see let's well, see a little bit more so you had nobody from this draft class no and i had, and the only person i mean had, i had zion and ja from the last draft class mm-hmm. all right i've i the 40 i think i agree with i think there's just the order of the top 22 or so that i would switch around okay. which you know uh, we this is the fun part of lists is they don't they don't they're personal. They don't actually Liz. matter at the end of the day. <laughs> on that note, um, this was fun. Thank you for uh, asking
1: me to do this. I, enjoy, I did very much enjoy this.
2: and seriously, uh, everybody on YouTube. Be nice in the comments, but oh, you don't have to be nice. Drop you. No, John, let them be that. We want to at least preach decor on here. Comment with your top 40 or where you disagreed and tell us where in the top what your top 20 would be. We'd love some feedback on this.
1: Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast, um, it is uh, it is not often that I get to talk to someone who is a living, walking, breathing encyclopedia of Knicks basketball, but, but this guest is. And to prove it, he wrote a book about his uh, life as a Knicks fan. If you're watching on the YouTube, I am uh, holding it up right now. Um, Fred from Fresh Meadows, a Knicks memoir by our guest today. He has been to count them, 46 playoff games. Uh, I believe 46 Knicks playoff games. Crazy that there have been that many in their history, but we're going to go through some of them. Uh, Fred Cantor, how are you doing, my friend?
4: Jonathan, thanks for having me on and I love what you guys do and, and I love the passion that you bring and uh, you know, as I was saying before we went live, I'm amazed that you continue this with a newborn. It shows <laughs> that you're probably the number one Knicks fan because I don't know how you do it.
1: Well, um, I, I, you know, it's funny people over the, the course of the last, not to get sidetracked, but over the course of the last year and change, which has, you know, been a very difficult year for folks, people have reached out to me and they're like, oh, thank you for what you do. You, you know, you really helped me through this. And I tell them, I mean, it's like therapy for me. Talking about the Knicks helps me, um, get through some of the tougher times, but it's been good lately. And, uh, as I was reading your book and I just, you know, finished it the other day, um, you know, you it's amazing, actually, if you've been through it from almost the beginning, because you write about how you be, you were a Knicks fan since what's the exact year you, you consider yourself? Starting- well, my
4: early, my earliest Knicks memory, which I write about in the book, and and it probably was indicative of what, you know, was to come was not not going to a game at Madison Square Garden. I'm sure that's the earliest memory for many people, you know, when they were a kid, It was reading about Wolf Chamberlain's 100-point game against the Knicks in March of 1962 when I was in third grade. And um, that remains the earliest memory. And, I, you know, to this day, I remember being stunned reading that um, because, yes, Roger Maris had hit 61 home runs for the Yankees the prior fall. But, you know, that was kind of believable. But, But to score 100 points in a game, and um, and of course, it happened against the Knicks. Yes.
3: So,
1: uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, as 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 things so often do, um, you know, but, oh, by the way, and, let
4: me let let me just interject. Yes. Um, for people who think, you know, oh, you know, if the Knicks score X number of points, they're they're sure to win. They scored one hundred and forty seven points that game and they still lost by twenty two. So well,
1: I mean, listen, he what was he, 28 for thirty two from the line in that game. Yes. I mean, he's yeah, Never, never <laughs> came good. close to approaching that again. Um, despite that memory and despite some other ones, for the most part, this is a really positive book. Um, and you, you take us through kind of your lifetime as a Nick fan and just, you know, reading it, you, 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 I got kind of got lost in the fact that there really have been many great eras of Nick's basketball. There was obviously the period of time that you talk about when you were in, uh, I guess finishing elementary school and then going into high school for the, for the championship years. Um, And then you obviously talk about Bernard King and then Ewing, who we'll get to in a bit. Um, And then that takes us and you wrote about the Mello and the Tyson Chandler. And now we have now like for as much bad as there has been, it's been pretty good. I got to ask you when, when you kind of sit back and reflect now, when you think about the best of times, um, is it as simple as just saying the championship or does something else come close?
4: Well, winning the championship, obviously, is the greatest experience you could have as a fan. But having said that, I was a season ticket holder from 1987 through 2000, which, the, uh, starting with um, Rick Pitino's first year and Mark Jackson's rookie year, and the Knicks made the playoffs that entire time. And as you remember, they were perennial contenders for the title in the 90s. I remember and well. Even though they, they never won a championship, there were a lot of incredible highs during that period. And so that, to me, was, was another a whole golden era, a whole golden era. In fact, it was probably the longest period of sustained success in the, fran- in the history of the franchise. And then we're lucky as Knicks fans in a way because who else had insanity? even for that short period of time, um, you know, you, you probably read the book or or saw the movie, the natural. I mean, this was a version of that with insanity. Um, And then this year, this year really, you know, so I've been watching now for roughly 60 years. This year has been about as rewarding as any season I've experienced. And um, you know, we all as fans have experienced this down period, And there were very, the expectations were very low going into this year. And what the team accomplished was really remarkable. And sure, was I disappointed in the playoffs? But the bottom line is what they did in terms of the turnaround. And I know I talked about this in the book that one of the joys of that team, going back to the championship era, was seeing how players would develop. How they would come together as a yeah. team, and and we're seeing that foundation right now, and I think we have a lot to look forward to in the future. So I I feel we're in a very good place.
1: Um, you know, and you're someone that people should really you know um, pay attention to here because you. So I I was struck by I was struck by a lot in the book, but one of the one of the things that you you it becomes very clear is that you have at least. By my estimation, and I don't know how much time you spent looking stuff up, but it sure feels like you have something of a photographic memory when it comes to remembering old games. I mean, the stats that you pull out here um, throughout the book are, are just incredible. Um, and but well, it's, let, let,
4: let me just interrupt one second. Yeah, I'm I'm not like Jerry Lucas. I don't know. You, <laughs> <laughs> for those who don't know, Jerry Lucas uh, purportedly. Uh, memorized part of a Manhattan phone book at a, at a party in New York city back in the seventies and Bobby Fisher, the, the, the chess champion didn't believe it. So he, he goes down, you know, that he goes, okay, page 42, column two, you know, 33rd name or whatever. And Jerry <laughs> Lucas looks there and he goes, you know, <laughs> John Smith, and he got it. No, I'm not like that. There, there, are some memories, there are some memories that are crystal clear, like they happened yesterday. But for the book, I did a lot of research, I watched a lot of games, uh, which, which obviously was a joy in itself, tapes of old games, and, you know, did online research of the New York Times. Uh, so, yes, I did have to, you know, pull a lot of those stats from there to make sure I'm historically accurate, because, uh, you know, you want to try to avoid mistakes.
1: No, it, it it was great. And I like I've only been a fan since, uh, you know, the early 90s, but it was crazy reading some of the stuff. i like when you wrote about Charlie Ward finishing, a, you know, he scored whatever it was the last nine points in a playoff game. I'm like, wow, I remember that. Um, but it's great because you'll be reading it and like you'll you'll say, you know, you'll mention, you know, Walt Bellamy on one page and then three lines later, you'll mention, you know, the Bargnani trade. And I was thinking to myself, there's not many fans out there who, who you know, are able to go, you know, basically half a century apart in comparing um, different, you know, players and, and things that have happened with the Knicks. I, I, I want to ask overall, and I think I know the answer to this question because you took the time to write a book about it. Do you have a do you feel like your Knicks fandom has been a positive thing, uh, you know, top to bottom? Yes,
4: yes. Um, the, I, I guess it starts with the championship era, which I know a lot of Knicks fans alive. I guess anyone under 50, you know, really hasn't experienced that. But yeah. um, the fact that, we, you know, for those of us who were alive to experience that, um, those, that era, those teams, um, they were among the, the personalities, even among mm. the greatest and most legendary, not just in the NBA, but if you look across sports. Sure. So I, I feel very fortunate to have experienced that uh, alone. To have Marv Albert as the Knicks broadcaster for all those years, um, he is the pinnacle. I mean, I, I said he's basically, in my opinion, he is to- You wrote this. To, yeah, to, to, to basketball announcers, what the Beatles were to pop music. And I also think Mike Breen and Clyde, you know, just as having a home broadcasting team, they're as good as anyone I've ever heard out there. So we're fortunate in that respect. Bernard King was just there, you know, He was like a comet in the sky. But for the period of time that he was there, you know, people talk about Kevin Durant now, but for anyone who saw Bernard King, I mean, he was just as unstoppable. Um, and, you know, so that was a special experience to see those Knicks teams under Pat Riley and then Jeff Van Gundy, that was a really special experience too, because let's face it, there was only one perennial all-star there, yeah, Patrick. And what they did was what we saw with Tibbs on the team this year, that was a team, you might say overachieved even because they were constantly in there and they were battling every night and playing great defense. And that was a great joy. So, um, and like I said, Linsanity was something altogether different. So, yes, there have been many down years, many, many losing years, but we also have been the beneficiary of many positive years. And I think something that really maybe brings it all, um, you know, together, and, and I someone posted this stat on Twitter, and I'm trying to remember who it was. It was some sports writer. So maybe you saw this, that if you look who's left in the – uh, playoffs right now. Mm-hmm. The team that won the NBA championship uh, most recently is Philadelphia in 1983. In, in, in
1: 1983. Yes.
4: The Clippers, I believe they have never even been.
1: They've never been a to a conference, conference finals. finals. Yeah.
4: Conference finals. Think about that. The Hawks, um, they last won an NBA title in 1958 when they were in St. Louis, right?
1: When, uh, that was uh, Bob Pettit, right? Right,
4: right. Yeah, I know. mean, A- A- Atlanta Hawks have never made it to the NBA Finals. Um, the, you know, the Nets, since they've been in the NBA, they've never made it to the Finals. Um, I mean, so there are all these other franchises out there that haven't even had the level of success that the Knicks have had. Yeah. So, um I, I try to be a glass half full person.
3: <laughs>
1: I, no, but I love that because I'm I'm the same way, and you know it was a little bit easier this season than than maybe you know the 17 win season from a couple of years ago. Um, you know, but I I, I also wondered I, don't, I I wonder sometimes is that the New Yorker. In, because obviously you're you're a native New Yorker as well, and and you write about the kind of the interplay between the city and your and your fandom throughout the book. I don't know why it is, but it, it's definitely it's definitely a thing that I think it strings us all together. You mentioned the Riley years, um, and I want to go to a, an interesting part in the book that you had, and I I gotta say, I spent a lot of time talk, thinking about Patrick Ewing, and and some time talking about Patrick Ewing. Um, I never realized this, so you went through because you. Look, I'll preface this by saying it gets under your skin a little bit when Patrick gets kind of a bad rap NBA, you know, historically.
4: Absolutely. Because, you know, if Patrick Ewing had Clyde and Pearl in the backcourt Dick, or Dick Barnett, you don't think he would have beaten the Bulls or, or the how, Pistons?
1: Or, how about if Allen Houston had been, you know, five years uh, right. older and, and come along five years before or something, you know, even that would have made a difference.
4: I cannot, I cannot tolerate in any way, shape or form the bashing of Patrick Ewing. And part of it has to do with this whole kind of phenomenon in recent years where players are judged by rings. Yeah. And to me, that's absurd. And what I talked about in the book is when I was growing up, the guy who earned the nickname of Mr. Clutch was Jerry, Jerry. West. Yep. And Jerry West lost six times in a row in the playoffs to, to, the, to the Celtics. He lost, his team lost to the Knicks. He didn't, his total record in the NBA Finals was one in eight. And yet, no one ever thought of him as a loser or less than a champion or not being a clutch player. He was unbelievably clutch. And I feel the same way about Patrick Ewing. So that's why I had not seen this done in before. I looked it up. And yeah. What I did was I compiled. His, 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 his 10 stats.
1: elimination games, basically. In,
4: right, from yep. not elimination games, but in the final games of a best of five or best of seven.
1: So either game and, five or game seven, yeah.
4: Right. And, and there were 10 such games that the Knicks played in during uh, Patrick's time from 1990 through 2000. And in, in 10 of those, in, in six of those games, the Knicks actually played on the road, which, as you know, makes it more of an uphill battle. Yes. So even though they had six of those games on the road, the fact of the matter is the Knicks had a six and four, one loss record in those games. And Patrick only failed to have a double, double once. Um,
1: And, and and more than that, I mean, you go through the, you know, 31 and 10, 31 and 19, 24 and 22. And there's, you know, he's six assists here, five blocks there. I mean, the numbers are, are outstanding. And, and then if you look at the, who he lost to, he lost to Michael Jordan, Twice, no real great shame in that. He lost to Elijah Wan, obviously, in the finals in that game seven. And then there was the one Reggie Miller lost um, in 1995, and he won the rest of the games.
4: Absolutely. And for anyone who has any questions about Patrick Ewing's abilities, they really should uh, Google and look at the YouTube tape of game five against the Boston Celtics in 1990.
1: Because <laughs> Which you write about the, very eloquently. Yes, I enjoyed that um, part, yes.
4: Because that was Bird. You know, and Mikhail and Parish and 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 DJ and Age and those were the champion Celtics. Yes, they were uh, four year, years removed from their last championship. But yeah, but they, they were they were still they were still
1: yeah
4: a top team that had made it to the Eastern Conference Finals two years before that, the NBA Finals three years before that. And Patrick was an absolute monster. And I think he, if he had someone else, I mean. I know in, in, in recent years, people talk about if you get X player, Y player, I think the, the, the biggest, I don't know if I use the word failure, but the biggest shortcoming perhaps of the Knicks front office in all the years that I've been uh, a fan of the team was their inability to get one more big star player to compliment him during his prime. And by the way, this is not a knock on Oak, you know, no, knock on John Starks.
1: They were uh, they were good for for what they were, but we're talking about guys who were one-time all-stars, and the only time they made the all-star team was was the the year they went to the finals. So, um, no, it's not a, it's not a knock on them at all. Um, I you mentioned that as a what if, and the other what if that I thought was interesting, and uh, I believe this is tied in. Or maybe it wasn't tied into the editorial that you you wrote uh, for your um, what was that your law school newspaper? I, I well, I did
4: I did a. Um,
1: the, the, a, a I'm H- talking just, about Willis Reed. What if we, Willis Reed right. had had the health that Bill Russell right. had? How, right. how would history have been different? Yeah.
4: Um, well, actually, just you know, right. Just a little bit of background, and part of what I did in the book was talk about the kind of conflicts we experience as Knicks fans, yes, in terms of you know. Well, if I do this, you know, and I'm going to miss out on this experience and or I'm going to miss out on this family event because of Knicks game. And, and I like the ordinary, I call myself or consider myself the ordinary, rational Knicks fan. I would just do things that favored being involved with the Knicks rather than, you know, uh, other more important things. And by the way, I, you know, I consider myself responsible in most aspects of my life, just as you are, you know, as a husband and father well, and everything else. But listen, but,
1: but, you're talking to someone whose daughter got christened uh, two days ago that was prepared to reschedule the christening if the Knicks had a playoff game that day. So I don't know if I don't know if rational, uh, you know, family man <laughs> is the good descriptor for me, but please continue.
0: Yeah, but
4: just as an example of that, when I was in law school. Um, and I was admittedly someone who procrastinated and I, as I acknowledge in the book, I probably should have taken off a couple of years before going to law school. But in any case, we were having our uh, first semester finals coming up and I was behind in studying and I was taking a short break from studying for my evidence exam. And I'm taking a break by reading the Sunday Times. That should have been relaxing, right? And there was an op-ed by Jeff Greenfield yeah. uh, uh, or a, a guest essay in the sports section about this book he had written about the Celtics. And he's purportedly a Knicks fan. But yeah, I saw that. I Celtics. couldn't believe that. Yeah. yeah. And basically, you know, he had some argument in there that, uh, you know, we Knicks fans, and, and he's using the term we, including himself, uh, never got our full measure of revenge against the Celtics in 1973 because John Havlicek hurt his shoulder. And I'm thinking, <laughs> you've got to be kidding me. I mean, that's like saying the Knicks lost in 1969. Um, or, or if you want to use that argument, you can say the Celtics only beat the Knicks in 1969 uh, because Walt Frazier had a strained groin muscle, which, by the way, obviously impacted him significantly. Yeah. And, and, you know, and then I said, injuries are a part of the game. It's something that, you know, you have to try to cope with. And it, and it really is a test of the team's you know, championship medal. And here he's complaining, but the Knicks had Willis Reed, you know, seriously injured and yet they surmounted that to, you know, to win two championships and the Celtics up to that point, they'd never done anything like that. But I decided, you know, I'm going to take this one step further in terms of the what ifs people don't realize how great Willis Reed was because he started nice. having major injuries that for that oh, first championship season,
1: only MVP and, in Knicks history. He was right. And he was
4: 27 good. at that point. Yeah. And if you look at his stats after that, as I pointed out in the book, they really went downhill and then he missed a lot of games, you know, and then he retired at 32. Um, imagine if Willis Reed had had Bill Russell's health. This is what I'm, I'm, I'm putting out there. Yeah. Or anyone's ordinary health, John yeah. Havlicek, whoever and had a normal career. And imagine if Bill Russell had had Willis Reed's health. So Bill Russell turned 27 in 1961, when the Celtics won their third title in a row in fourth and fifth years, if Bill Russell had a fight with, with Willis Reed did. And if you've seen footage of Bill Russell, you know how he depended on his agility and quickness.
2: He was quicker
4: than
1: anyone back then. I mean, especially at that size,
4: the Celtics would have gone on maybe to win one more title. Their title run would have been over. And so they would have won, uh, they, they would have won three in a row in four and five years and maybe won a couple years after, after that. The Knicks, however, if Willis Reed had been healthy, oh. I believe they could have gone on and won a total of seven titles in a row.
1: Well, especially because it was the '70s, and that was a weird era in the league where there wasn't a whole lot of, of you know, some of those teams in the mid '70s were all iffy.
4: Well, th- there were some very strong teams when I mean the the Box and the you know and the Lakers, uh, but and the Celtics. But the point is, as you know, matchups are everything. Sure, and the Knicks. Because of their mobility, the mobility of Willis Reed, uh, you know, to go outside, and the fact that the it's really, you know, and I wrote about this, they were a prototype of what happened years later, because they had five people you could count on to take a shot yep. in the closing seconds, five people who could shoot from the outside, and they could beat any type of team and the height of their success in the style of playing was when they opened up that 69, 70 season, their first championship season with a 23 and one record. Yeah. And, you know, for those fans who remember a few years ago when Golden State, you know, just went off. Well, that's what the Knicks were like when Willis Reed was healthy. And so I say if Willis Reed had had Bill Russell's health and, and Bill Russell had <laughs> Bill Russell, uh, uh, Willis's health and vice versa, what Russell would have been you know remembered as a great player don't get me wrong. but the Knicks would have won six or seven in a row and that would have been the greatest dynasty in NBA <laughs> history
1: <laughs> what, a, a great one if uh if there ever was one a, a couple more and then I'm gonna let you go you you tell you tell a great story about um I it was I believe before, correct me if I'm wrong, it was before Game 7 against the uh, Washington Bullets, a matchup against uh, Earl Monroe, um, in which a girl called your house inquiring about the the prom. Oh, my god! And you missed the fourth quarter of a massive game because oh. you were trying to, I can't, I don't want to put, I'll let you tell the story because no, I, no, I read no, this I, and I'm like. Well,
4: Jonathan, I, I, my understanding, I've heard through the grapevine that, that you had a lot more
1: confidence with women than i did back in the day i don't know well i i i'm just picturing if someone called me during a next aside from the fact that i probably wouldn't pick up the phone i mean but you uh, clearly are from a different generation where manners were a thing and the fact that you would humor uh this young lady and but uh, but again maybe it was because you felt like well i better not blow blow this chance
4: but part of the reason was um, if you've ever seen the play or, or the Woody Allen uh, play or movie uh, played against Sam. Yes. Uh, and, and if anyone hasn't, check it out. It's, it's very funny where he plays this incredibly uh, inept character, character in terms of, you know, how to deal with women and socially. And so there's this Bogart character from Casablanca uh, who's giving him advice and, you know, kind of an imaginary character. And that's what I could have used because this 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 girl who was a friend of mine called up. Uh, uh, first of all, ju- just let me explain that there was no caller ID back then. You know, voicemail, nothing. So yes. uh, my mom picked up the phone, figuring it could be an emergency, <laughs> and it turned out to be for me. And basically, I was trying to get her off the phone politely, <laughs> and then it turned out she was asking me out to the senior prom, and I was trying to come up with excuses. And, but be-
1: and your reasoning was because your you you your friend.
4: Like yes. her, I well, mean, t- I had a friend who, yes, a friend who had dated for quite a while, and, they, and there had been, you know, some tension, and it appeared they'd been breaking up. And but my attitude is, I'm also kind of an old fashioned guy that if there had been a breakup, you know, you got to let the dust settle. You don't try to, you know, pick move right in after a friend. See, up I,
1: I, I, run, I run right through that dust. I get my 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 parka or whatever. I you know I don't know what it is. Um, no, but you're again, you're you're a, but, but, but in any a case, it was
4: one of the worst experiences of my life, because I had this very awkward phone call with this girl who, who was a friend of mine, I'm, you know, um, and I get off the phone. I, I rush back into the den. The game had just ended. I missed the entire fourth quarter. The Knicks lost game seven to the Bullets. I'm crushed. Um, you know, and then I'm thinking, and I'm not a religious person, but I'm thinking, wait a minute, is God punishing me because I treated <laughs> Polly so badly? But you did, and, the, but you were trying to do the honorable thing. That's why I don't, <laughs> uh,
1: may, who knows? Maybe that's, uh, in
4: Any case, uh, Maybe also, that's so we,
1: why Sanity happened, because you did the right thing
3: that, um, you
4: know, we, we didn't even have tapes back then. So I, I had no idea what happened. Other than my parents describing it to me. So, yes, that was just one of those, you know, terrible, bad. Oh, one final thing, just to show yes. how Nick's, you know, impact our lives. I mean, that afternoon, I got my first college acceptance to Princeton, which is one of my top two choices. So you can imagine how elated I was. Uh, it should have been one of the great days of my life, right? You get into one of your top two choices, you know. Not to mention that Bill Bradley went to Princeton, so I was very yeah. excited for that reason. Because of the Knicks, this Knicks loss, coupled with the way I handled the call with with Polly, I was so deflated that evening. I was so crushed, and there was a part of me thinking, God, would I have traded this Knicks victory for a rejection from Princeton? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> um well i think it probably worked out for the best because you you know i let I, me what i love about the book is it's not just about a book about the knicks but it's a book about you and the knicks and um it's very you get you get personal in it and it's really it's heartfelt um and it makes you um you know it makes you appreciate i think because I think a lot of, especially, you know, we, we were talking about, you know, before we started, how much time I spend. And I also have a family and everything. And, you, and some nights you question, you're like, man, I'm really dedicating this amount of hours to this. But at the end of the day, sports fandom is, you know, it's in your blood. And a book like this makes really brings that to light and it makes you feel it. And um, and so the last thing I'm, I'm going to ask you is why. Why did you take the time to write this? Cause it's, it's um, I'm happy you did, but I'm just curious. Is there anything that prompted you to do it or you just were like.
4: Yeah. Yes. It started during the pandemic because I was uh, basically stuck at home due to my age and stage and my underlying health conditions. And I wanted to do something that would transport me. And this just okay. started as a personal project. And so I just started writing about my experiences and I love doing online historical research. And of course, watching old uh, uh, tapes of old games was something transporting as well. And it then escalated from there. And um, I ended up uh, contacting Alex Wolf of the Strickland, uh, who you know. And this was a relatively new website. And I, you know, I told him I had this manuscript. You know, would the Strickland consider publishing it as a print-on-demand book through KDP Amazon, and that we could do it as a charity project for the John Starks Foundation. And he really embraced the idea and uh, you know, one thing led to another and uh, you know, the John Starks foundation naturally was very happy about it. Uh, and um, it's been a wonderful experience cause it's helped me connect with other Knicks fans. And um, it's, it's also the fact that it happened during this season. I mean, I finished sure. it and the book was published just before the start of the season, but the fact that things unfolded the way they did, it, in a way it brings me full circle because I wrote about the foundation in the book. I did write about the foundation being put in place. I could see that, but it happened way fast, much faster uh, this year. And I, you know, I don't know when that championship is coming, but I feel it is coming.
1: I, I was about to say when it comes, you'll have to write um, an epilogue and, and re-release the book with with some additional uh, reflection. Um, can you just let folks know um, where they could where they could find the book? And um, yeah, in case. I want to yeah, read it.
4: it's so uh, it, it's available exclusively at Amazon, uh, Amazon.com. And, you know, if you go there, you'll see that we've been very fortunate to have generated a lot of wonderful reviews and you know, a lot of favorable press coverage. So, uh, in fact, we've even heard uh, from some of the reviews and, and some of the commentators that this book is not just for Knicks fans. That oh, it's, no, who, not at all. That, that people who are, who are diehard fans of any team who have that kind of passion can really relate to the book. And that's, that's what I was hoping to accomplish in part
1: if you've ever rooted for a team in your life um, this will this will or if honestly if you've ever been passionate about anything in your life um, this will resonate with you again um Fred from fresh Meadows a Nick's memoir by Fred cantor um, we will if you're um, Watching this on the YouTube, we'll we'll put a link to uh, the uh, Amazon uh, listing, which I'm sure um, our wonderful producer, Andrew Claudio, could find. We'll put it right there in the description. If you're hearing it on the podcast again, Fred from Fresh Meadows, a Nick's memoir by Fred Cantor. Um, really enjoyed it. Great book. Definitely recommend everybody to get it. And Fred, uh, here's to um, another, you know, 60 years of, of uh, did I get it? How many years has it been, let's see, 15, 62. So oh, coming up on 60 years now, right?
4: Yeah, so I'm 67. I don't think that's going to happen. But, hey, listen, uh, just,
1: medical like, you know, medical science being what it is, you never know.
4: <laughs> but uh, thank you for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, love what the Nick Film School does. So keep up the good work.
1: Appreciate it very much. And everybody out there, uh, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Nick Film School podcast. We'll be back with you with some more before you know it.